Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover sections 43 and 44. All right, so background here. Section 43 is, we're still in February 1831. Still having some issues um, with people coming together from different backgrounds, from different beliefs. Got a lady named Mrs. Hubble who, quote, professed to be a prophetess of the Lord and professed to have many revelations and know the Book of Mormon was true and that she should uh, become a teacher in the Church of Christ. She appeared to be very sanctimonious and deceived some who were not able to detect her and her hypocrisy. Others, however, had a spirit of discernment and her follies and abominations were manifest. So Hiram Page incident, a few months in the past, but there are still people who are clinging to these things and the Lord has to remind them who the prophet is. Section 43 verses 2 and 3 say, For verily, verily, I say unto you, ye that have received my, a commandment for a law unto my church through, through him whom I have appointed unto you to receive commandments and revelations from my hand, this ye shall know surely, that there is none other appointed unto you to receive commandments and revelations until he be taken, if he abide in me. He's the one until he's taken. Then there will be another one. So secession of prophets is hinted at here. Section 28, this is section 28's Hiram Page section. In the very beginning of that section, the Lord reminds the saints and reminds us, the prophet, Joseph Smith, that's who receives my revelation. If you're listening to the introductory episode this week, primary question, is Joseph Smith a prophet? It's a primary question for the saints then. It's a primary question for us now. It's a primary question for us now as President Russell M. Nelson, the prophet of God, because if the answer is yes, well then, how can you avoid being deceived by false prophets? That becomes a whole lot easier to answer because you listen to the true prophet. You listen to some other people. You can listen to podcasts and influencers and things. There's a lot of good out there to to learn. But if they contradict with the prophet, it's a binary. It's it's a zero-sum game. Both of them can't be right. The And the answer to who is right is always always, always the prophet of God. The thing is this, even if the prophet of God is wrong and leads us astray, you will be blessed. You personally will be blessed for following the prophet. Even if what he says is wrong, even if it turns out to be wrong, even if he turns out to be a wicked man, if in his seat of and mantle as a prophet directs us to do something and you do it, the Lord will punish him for being wrong and for leading you astray and leading the church astray. But you'll be blessed. You will still be blessed. I'm not, and here's the thing, that won't happen. I'm just throwing out this imaginative if. Safety will always, always follow if you heed the words of the prophet because you will be heeding the words of the Lord. So how can you be, avoid being deceived. Well, President Joseph F. Smith said, It is not my business nor that of any other individual to rise up as a revelator, as a prophet, as a seer, as an inspired man, to give revelation for the guidance of the church or to assume to dictate the presiding authorities of the church. We can accept nothing as authoritative but that which is, comes directly through the appointed channel, which uh, the constituted organizations of the priesthood, which is the channel that God has appointed through which to make known his mind and his will to the world. The moment that individuals look to any other source 
The, that moment they throw themselves open to the seductive influences of Satan and render themselves liable to become servants of the devil. They lose the sight of the true order through which they, the blessings of the priesthood are to be enjoyed. They step outside the pale of the kingdom of God and are on dangerous ground. Whenever you see a man rise up claiming to have received direct revelation from the Lord to the church, independent of the order and channel of the priesthood, you may set him down as an imposter. It's easy. It's an easy decision. The closer you stand to the prophet, the safer you are, and the easier it is to discern a fake. The more ready, readily you can answer the primary questions, the more easily you can discern false prophets. The more readily you can answer the primary questions of, is Jesus Christ the Savior? Is Joseph Smith a prophet? Is the Book of Mormon true? Is President Nelson the prophet? The easier other concerns and secondary questions can be uh, made secondary, where they belong. Verses 12 through 14, um, the saints are promised that if they will support Joseph Smith, that they would receive the mysteries of the kingdom. And I mentioned this in the introductory section uh, episode. The saints didn't. They They failed in this in many aspects. Joseph Smith did not finish the translation of the Bible. Now, I believe it's the RLDS Church, which may be now called the Community of Christ. Uh, I think the Community of Christ purchased their rights or something. I don't remember. Uh, They have a more full version of uh, Joseph Smith's translation, and they have like they have the rights to have a a version um, where instead of having footnotes, it's the Joseph Smith translation is like in the text. But Joseph Smith did not finish his translation and correction of uh, mistranslated verses of the Bible. And it's because the saints fell in their duty here. And that has impacts. When we are derelict in our duties, we don't we don't only impact us. We're all connected. If you are not one, you are not mine. Well, here's the thing. The church is his, which means that when we are fail to do our duties, we're connected to someone else. We're connected to our to the future, to posterity. One man who apostatizes from the church impacts generations. This group of people who d- did not quite live up to what they were called to do to support Joseph Smith, they impacted themselves. They also impacted us. And there are truths that we don't maybe have uh, in the same way. We do have a prophets who have who can clarify and continue to give us revelation. So. The Lord has a plan and a way to get us so that we don't miss out, right? So that we're not punished for the sins of our fathers. And I think I need to be careful about saying that. But we don't have a full translation of the Bible because of that, uh, from Joseph Smith, because of, of the, those decisions that were made. Um, the end of this section is really interesting, where the Lord lists a bunch of ways in which he speaks to us through um, natural means. You know, the world sees natural disasters and they say, oh, it's a natural disaster. We, especially here in the latter days, should see natural disasters and we should see and hear the word of the Lord. We should hear him. We should hear him calling us and the world to repentance Brigham Young said, but while it was belching forth a series of tornadoes, oh, excuse me, this is not Brigham Young, wrong quote. This is actually from the Church News um, in 1980, and it's actually really long, so I'm going to summarize it. Um, 
basically, in 1980, uh, Mount St. Helens, the United States volcano erupted, and it exploded. It blew off the top of the mountain, and it was violent, and people died, and ash, and from the ash inhalation, and it was just like, you know, it was big, big thing. But it was kicked off the front page of the news really quickly, like within a day, because at the same time, there were um, 900 storms resulting in like hundreds of tornadoes in the middle of America, in the middle states. Uh, In Iowa, Nebraska, there was 50 tornadoes in one day. And so the church news goes through this and says, look, we just, the, the world went from one story to the next story to the next story without piecing these things together. But we as the church should recognize this and as the voice of the Lord. He specifically tells us in section 43, this is his voice warning us, calling us to repentance, saying, I'm in charge. You're not in charge. Repent and prepare and build Zion and gather Israel. And jump into section 44 here. Section 44 is uh, the Lord calling for another conference. This would be will be the fourth conference. They had one in June of 1830, uh, another in September 1830, one in January. Now the Lord is calling for another here in February now that they're in Kirtland. Um, what are the purposes of conferences? Why do we have general conferences, state conferences, ward conferences? David O. McKay uh, gave this. He said, first is to transact current church business. Second, to hear the reports uh, and and church statistics. Third is to approve the names which the Lord has appointed or to disapprove of them. Uh, you know, sustainings uh, and those things of that nature. And fourth is to worship the Lord in sincerity and reverence and to give and receive encouragement, exhortation, and instruction. Um, Elder Hubie Brown and in the same vein, talked about conferences. Why do we have conferences? He said, these great conferences, specifically general conference, are called for the purpose of inspiring us to prepare for the battle. I love that. So general conference makes me feel, I feel refreshed. After six months, I feel beaten down and I'm ready for the words of the prophets to hear the word of the Lord. And then they speak and I hear the things that I need to hear and I things that I need to change. But... Uh, and sometimes it can be overwhelming, but I always, it's so long as I come prepared and ready to receive the word of the Lord, I go away refreshed, ready for the battle, ready for the battle that is my life, ready for the battle that is the last days, ready for the battle that is gathering Israel and building Zion. That's why we have general conferences. That's why we meet together often in, in general. That's why we have church to strengthen each other till we all come in the unity of the faith to the fullness of the stature of of, the, uh, of Christ. That's why we meet together and, and partake of the sacrament to come together and unify and uplift and strengthen each other. Um, in verse 2, the Lord says, And inasmuch, I'm sorry, and it shall come to pass that inasmuch as they are faithful and exercise faith in me, I will pour out my spirit upon them in the day that they assemble themselves together. If we gather together, and where we are gathered together with two or three, as Christ taught in Matthew chapter 18, he will be there. President Kimball's taught, we all have felt the outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord as we have been assembled in his name to worship and be instructed by the power of the Holy Ghost. This has always been the pattern of the meeting of the saints. As we meet together, we can be strengthened and uplifted, and he 
will pour out his spirit upon us. That's been happening over the last years. We've gathered virtually. Uh, our stake just got the thumbs up to re- return to full meetings uh, by the so by the first part of May. We'll be having full sacrament in in our building with our full ward, no limitations on the number of people. Uh, we'll all be having second hour, so Sunday school and the Elder Scorn Relief Society and young men's and young women's and the like in primary as well. And I am so excited because I've felt a, a, something missing in the connections and being bolstered by my fellow saints by hearing and feeling of their testimonies. Zoom has been great, and there's been some good interaction and good lessons and good preparation by some great Sunday school teachers. But there's something about coming together, assembling together, that is different. And what is that? I think it's the this outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for studying with me. I hope you enjoy this week's study. Best of luck to you. Um, I look forward to studying with you as we continue uh throughout the Doctrine and Covenants uh, this year. Just my final thoughts for the week are uh, repentance is, is the path to perfection. And as we seek to bring forth Zion, it's not enough to know that that means we have to be one. It's going to take effort and work. Repentance, it's going to take change. It's going to take each of us looking within ourselves and changing ourselves because that's all we can do. It's going to take perseverance and endurance and forgiveness when people offend. It's going to take looking the other way when you think that people are wrong and ignoring that you have differences of opinion on in policies and politics. And similar to what Elder Uchtdorf taught, President Uchtdorf taught about doubting our doubts before we doubt our faith, It's going to take effort to see our similarities before we see our differences and putting them first. One reason I'm excited to get back into church together with my ward is that becomes a lot easier to do when you have face-to-face interaction with people. They become real. They become fellow saints, fellow disciples. And not just a name behind a screen, not just a name on a Zoom link or a picture, right? Thanks for listening and best of luck this week. Hope to talk to you soon.